The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today, we return to the message by Elder John Morgan Owens entitled, Dead is Dead and Grace is Grace. You may recall from the last podcast that this message was preached by Elder John Morgan Owens on the occasion of his ordination on May 14th, 2022. As I mentioned last time, this was the occasion of the 175th anniversary of the Constitution of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. Elder Owens' sermon was a very good summation of what Primitive Baptists generally believe about eternal salvation, and I hope that you are blessed by the conclusion of this sermon today. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Some might say then, well, what is the purpose of the gospel? You know, so many people believe that you have got to make a confession of faith, that you've got to have the gospel come to you, and that you have got to hear it, to believe it, to confess it, in order to be saved. You know, I believe they mean well, right? But, but... I'll tell you what the purpose of the gospel is. It's not to born again children of God. (laughs) 
No, no, no. That is way too important a duty that he, for him to delegate to another. He does that himself. Here's what the purpose of the gospel is. Notice when Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave, we have the example of the new birth. Then what does Jesus do? He says, loose him and let him go. Right? He's not a whole lot of good in this world still carrying around the grave clothes of deadness. Child of God, here's what the gospel is today. You are purchased in the blood of Christ. You are alive in Him. Now take off those grave clothes of deadness. Leave them behind in the grave. Live like it. Live like you're one of His children. That's what the gospel is for. It's to come to you, burdened down, and to say, you can, you can let those burdens go. Right? You know, if, if, if we've got, uh, this is a very morbid image, but if we've got a dead man up here, laid up here for a funeral, you can put whatever kind of weight that you want to on them. Right? We can put cinder blocks. We can put everything that we want to. We can put Mason's whole gym on top of them, and it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. They, that person is not laboring under a heavy burden. You know who's laboring under a heavy burden is somebody who was already alive. You find yourself burdened by your sin. The gospel is for you. <laughs> the gospel will tell you, look to the cross. That's the person who took your sins in his arms, carried them to the grave, and came back without them. Praise Amen. God. Amen. All right. Let's go to 2 Timothy really quickly. I'm going to try to begin wrapping this up. Second Timothy uh, chapter 1, for the moment, we're talking about the purpose of the gospel. What is the purpose of the gospel then if the salvation of God's people is solely in His hand? Verse 10 of 2 Timothy 1, I'm, I'm jumping into the middle of the context here, I don't believe I'll abuse it, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's the purpose of the gospel. It doesn't bring life and immortality. It brings it to light. Right. Now the example that is often used in this sort of scenario is if we've, if we've got this room is pitch black. When you turn on the light switch, what does that light do? Does that light generate all of the objects in this, in this building? No, the light just gives light onto it. That's what the gospel does. It tells you about what he has already done for you. Thinking about this example, um, as Sister Meredith and I expectingly wait on our child to come into this world. Lord willing, if the Lord blesses us and, and baby Cal comes forth, when he cries out, 
and we hear his cry for the first time, that cry is not him asking us to give him life, asking God to give him life. His cry is the evidence that life is already there. You know, that's why I pray. I pray that when he comes out, we hear him crying. I pray it. Because his crying is evidence. When you cry in your heart, child of God, it is evidence of life there already. Amen. All right, let's, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. I got sidetracked there, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll look at where we were. Verse 5, it says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. It's grace. Amen. We're seeing this. We're seeing that we don't have anything to bring to the table. So what then is our hope? Our hope is in the grace of your Savior. That He would, not because you deserved it, but because He chose to place His love upon you before the foundation of the world. And He chose through grace. That is unmerited favor. We began by looking at the consequences of sin. The works that you do in this life and in the sins that you commit, what is your wage? What is the payment for that? It's death. That is a wage that you earn, right? What is grace? Grace is something that you don't deserve, but that is given to you anyway. By its very definition, what does that mean? That means if you do something to deserve it, it's not grace. But we know that we're saved by grace. Romans 11 I know we just got back there, but let's go to Romans 11. <clears throat> Romans 11 and verse 5, once again we're jumping into the context. It says, Even so then, at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works... Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, that is a tongue twister, right? But what's, what's he saying? He's saying grace is grace. Work is work. It's two different things, right? The grace that you're given in Christ is something you did not deserve. So when Satan comes to you, as he does to me many times, and he says... But you don't deserve what God has done for you. Do you really think that this almighty, righteous, loving, good God that you worship would look at you and would choose to go to a cross and die for you and suffer eternal wrath for you? Your answer ought to be this. I know I didn't deserve it. But he tells me in his word, and that echoes in my heart that he wrote there, that he loves me, that he loves you, child of God. You know what the gospel is, as, we're, as I'm trying to preach this this morning? The gospel is his love letter to you. It's not, it's not bringing this salvation to you, but it is telling you about it. As his, since the, before the foundation of the world, this God, had loving, affectionate feelings towards you. 
You think you can't wait to see him in glory. Child of God, he can't wait to see you. He cannot wait to have you there with him in glory. How do I know that? I'm told this, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. You ever, you ever been through a tough experience and, and, and you're not enjoying it at all, but there's something at the end of that that you are so looking forward to that compels you to keep going? That's what Jesus had on the cross. What was the joy that pushed him that compelled him to stay up there. It was the joy of you being there with him in glory and pleasing his Father and bringing you there. Alrighty. Verse 6 of Ephesians 2. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You think that His goodness is over just because He's died for you on the cross. The best is yet to come. It's going to get better. I have sat here in this building and in that building. And now I've felt some of the sweetest feelings of my Savior that I've ever felt. But I got news for you. The best is yet to come. <laughs> because God, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us, towards you, through Christ Jesus. It's going to get a whole lot better. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of of God, not of works. So we've just read in Romans 11 that you've got grace and you've got works, and they don't mix. Once you get, once you get a, a grain of sand of works into grace, it abolishes the whole thing. It's all of a sudden it's works and your wages. But it's of grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. What does this mean? It says, by grace are you saved through faith. What does that mean? Are, are you trying to tell me, Brother John Morgan, that, that we're saved by faith, that we have to make a decision of faith? If any of you, Jesus said this one time. I know I'm jumping all over the place. Jesus said this. You want to you know the works that you want to work? He said, believe on God. Belief is a work, okay? <laughs> if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that the exercise of faith is working, and you haven't been doing it hard enough, okay? It is hard work. Your faith is hard work. It is work. So what does he mean then? He says, you are saved, for by grace are you saved through faith. What happens in the new birth that we've been talking about earlier? What happens when Jesus comes to you himself, comes to your dead heart? What does he do? When he calls you from death to life, he gives you something. He gives you faith. Praise God, he gives you faith. Now all of a sudden, you went from being dead to knowing that he exists. And we're also told that 
If you want to approach unto God, you've got to know that He exists and that He is a rewarder of them that seek Him. So faith has to precede anything else and not faith that you, that you do. It's faith that is given to you. You understand? That you go from being totally dead and totally ignorant of what is going on to having faith in Him. I like to think of it this, this way. When he says, by grace through faith, that faith is like a muscle, okay? It's like a muscle that he gives you, okay? You can't exercise your faith if you don't have that muscle to exercise, right? The, the, the uh, Mason stays on me about working out at his gym, okay? That's made it in twice to this sermon, by the way. <laughs> He gets, he's on me about that. I've gone a few times, and here, this is the reason I haven't gone back. It's because I have been sore in places that I did not know that I had muscles, right? But the truth is, the muscles were already there. I just uh, had neglected exercising them and finally exercised them again, right? Well, you can't exercise your walk of faith without that spiritual muscle of faith within you, okay? But he gives it to you in the new birth. It's a miracle. Yeah. Now, now that you're born again, what do you do? Now you can exercise that faith. <laughs> and you ought to. Amen. You ought to be working that, exercising that. You know, bodily exercise profited little, okay? But the exercise of that muscle is a great profit to you, okay? <laughs> All right, let me go to another place on that. Romans... Romans 5, and uh, I'm, I'm wrapping this up. Romans 5 and verse 1, therefore being justified by faith. Okay, I want to pause. We're talking about being justified by grace. That, that um, before God... And your, your sins, they're all wiped away just as if you never sinned in the blood of Christ through grace. Okay? So in the courtroom of, of that, the, the courtroom of your eternal uh, salvation, you are saved by the blood of Christ through grace. Now what happens is you struggle in this life as you exercise your faith, as Satan comes to you, whispers you these lies. What happens? What happens when you begin to buy back into that lie that you are filthy, that you're no good, that you ought to begin to wrap those grave clothes around you again, go ahead and sit back down in the tomb, you're useless. This is when faith comes in, okay? This is when you can be justified in your heart Amen. by the faith in what He has already done for you. Okay, I'm trying to put this as clearly as I can. And I believe this passage tells us this. So we're talking about having peace with God. You ever had that unrest as to, as to your, your, uh, your status? Am I going to be there in heaven? What you need is you need justification by faith at that time. Right? You need... You need to understand what God has already done for you and have peace. 
So verse 1 of, of Romans 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What, what he tells us here is that your standing, your legal status is that you are placed in grace. Okay? That's where you stand. We access that by faith. Okay? I, I use this example to, to explain it. You all probably, uh, very few of you probably deal in cash money anymore, okay? You probably have your money in a bank account somewhere. Some, you know, digital number somewhere, and I don't even know how it's stored. I, I have no idea. But it's, it's in this account. Without any other <laughs> tools to access it, it's, it's really worthless right now, it, right? We're saved by grace on the cross, now, what does that information do for us right now? As I walk through this sin-cursed graveyard of earth, I need to access that grace. I need to tap into the grace, that large, large bank account that God has for us. How do you do it? Well, how do you access your bank account now? You have a, you have a check or you have a debit card. That's how... You access, right? So faith is like your debit card, okay? <laughs> not, to, not to make this too trite, but faith is like your debit card. And grace that you stand in, your, your position in heaven that has been purchased for you by Jesus Christ is that great bank account, okay? Now, I want to sip on that every single day, don't you? I want to have a foretaste of heaven I have to access that by faith, okay? So just because we believe that you're saved from your sins on the cross doesn't mean that we believe, well, we just sit back and relax. No, that's why we, we have this doctrine of timely salvation, okay? Now this throws people off when you say it. You believe in two different salvations? Hold up now. No, it's not, it's not that complicated, okay? Here, here's to boil it down. I was saved on the cross. We all were. Now I need to be saved every single day from the brokenness of my sin, from, from this sin-cursed world, from this untoward generation. How do I do that? I cling to the fact that He has already saved me. All right, now let's finish this. At, at Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Here's the point. It's not about your works. It's not about your works to somehow deserve grace. That's what, it, that's what it's all about in this world. It's about accepting. It's about uh, praying the sinner's prayer. It's about uh, you being baptized, you ha not having unconfessed sin in your life before you die. All, all sorts of conditions that we shackle ourselves with. It's not about our works. You are 
His works. You understand that? It's not about you working your way to heaven. He worked you, okay? You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And last thing I'll say, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He didn't say that we would walk in them, which is a comfort to me because I fail all the time. He says that we should walk in them. You know, there is a, there is a doctrine, you know, the, the tulip doctrine that we use as a, as a neat tool. That P, some people uh, use that P to say the uh, perseverance in grace. We still use that term. It's, we know that the meaning has been corrupted over time in different disputes, okay? But many people would say that once you're born again, you have got to persevere in righteous living or else you will either be cut out or, for, for the people that that makes uncomfortable, they'll say it was evidence that you were never one of his to begin with. <laughs> well, I read this. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Amen. If you have experienced the fruit the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You're one of His. If you have seen that in another, that's one of His. There is no guarantee that you will persevere in righteous living. Okay? The perseverance that we speak of is that you will never finally fall away from grace. That His hands are way too big and way too strong for you to fall out of. And He loves you way too much. But we should walk in them. Some people say, well, if I believe that, if I believe that it was all about grace, then I think I would just live any way I wanted to. Well, if that's the way you feel, you probably don't fully understand grace. Because when I see the grace of God, and I see my failings, you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to repent in sackcloth and ashes over the fact that my sins held Him there on the cross. It makes me hate every bit of it. You think I want to go back into that waller? No. I want to stay away from sin. Here's what the Gospel says to you. You are bought by the blood of Christ. You are His. Now live like it. Right? It is very, very simple. Very hard to implement, but very simple doctrinally. You are His child, bought by the blood of Christ. Now we ought to live like it. And in so doing, in so doing we will have peace and assurance as we walk with Him, as we feel that fellowship with Him. I pray that that's been an encouragement to you to know that dead is dead and grace is grace. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. 
That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.